Hello everybody, it's me Damien Barr welcoming you back to the Literary Salon podcast for another book of the week and this one is a scorcher. This is by a name that you will recognise. Joanne Harris is the best-selling author of 19 novels published in over 50 countries and she really does just not care about genre. She's like, yes, I'm going to write this, I'm going to write that. What's important to her is the story, is the questions that she keeps coming back to in her work. She's always exploring feelings, I think, of powerlessness, feelings of inadequacy. She looks at characters who are underappreciated or overlooked, and often that's because of misogyny or ageism or racism. Um, so anyway, she is, well, She's a fighter for good on the page and also off the page because she's formerly the chair of the Royal Society of Literature and you might know her for her incredible work with the Society of Authors as well, which is why she's got an OBE. I mean, come on. Anyway, so the new book, I'm just talking about how much I love Joanne here. The new book is called Broken Light and I saw um, Joanne talking about it on Twitter and I was like, uh, this is an incredible premise for a book. So... As she said, she's, I mean, she's a huge Stephen King fan and she read Carrie in her late teens and she was fascinated by this depiction of a misfit at high school and the destructive potential of teenage hormones out of control. And she revisited it much later and she began to ask herself this question. What if Carrie White had lived and what if her powers had emerged not at puberty but at menopause? So this is, you know... This is the premise, or one of the premises, for the novel. The central character is called Bernie Moon. And Bernie has known that she was different ever since she was a child, like so many of us. But the abilities that made her feel different, and indeed be special, were stifled. Because who wants to be the weird girl at school, right? That's, you know, that's the Carrie story. Fast forward to her 50s, Bernie has lived what many people would class as an unremarkable life. And then something happens that reminds her of who she truly is and she begins to realise the influence and power that she can have on others. Da, 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 da. So, uh, Katrina Ward has called the book profound, moving and utterly unforgettable. It is, I have to say, thrilling. It's one of those books, much like The Power, that you're going to be talking about uh, with your book club friends long after the last page. So, I'm delighted to welcome Joanne to the podcast and here she is with a reading from Broken Light. Hello there, I'm Joanne Harris, and I'm really thrilled to be invited to Damien Barr's Literary Salon podcast. Uh, my book is Broken Light, and I'm going to read right from the beginning of the book because it's quite a complicated story uh, with lots of different threads, and I wouldn't like any of them to be broken. The, the basic premise of the story is quite simple. Um, it's a kind of riff on Stephen King's Carrie, and... I figured that, you know, much as I admire the idea of giving superpowers to a teenager, it doesn't seem a very sensible thing to do um, because teenagers are absolutely full of drama and, of course, she was going to burn down the school. But, you know, what if Carrie had lived? What if she had had a fairly normal childhood, adolescence, married with a child and instead had developed her superpowers at menopause instead? Now, I'm going to read you a little bit from the very beginning of the book, which is a kind of flashback. It is something from the early life of my heroine, Bernie Moon. Um, 
Much of this book is about recovered memories, and this is the first small, subtle grain of memory, which is basically Proust's Madeleine, which brings the whole story coming tumbling out. From the live journal of Bernadette Ingram, marked as Exhibit B1, March 26th, 2022. The first seven years of my life are a blank. I don't remember a thing before that. Most children remember something of their early years, but not me. No favourite toy, no lullaby, not even a fall down a flight of stairs. My memories start at 6.30 on September the 12th, 1981, and I remember what happened then with cut glass, crystal clarity. It was my birthday, and my parents had taken me to see a magician called the Great Korovnik. I remember everything about that evening. The long, red-carpeted staircase, the red velvet seats, worn peachy with time, with the opera glasses fixed to the back. I remember the scent of smoke and the lights of the auditorium and the musicians in the orchestra pit and the cherubs on the ceiling. Every detail is fixed in my mind, except for one thing. Katie was there. There's even a picture of us both, a slightly faded photograph taken in the foyer. In it, we look like sisters. We have the same dark, jaw-length hair, the same fringe, the same vivid faces. We are even wearing the same kind of dress, though mine is pink and hers is blue. But although there can be no doubt that this was the night of the magic show, I don't remember her being there at all. It's as if she was snipped from my memory. But I do remember everything else. The lights, the music, the hush of the crowd, the rabbit from the black top hat, the glass box and the seven swords, the scary sphinx's head in the box, the paper flowers and fluttering doves. But most of all, I remember the magic trick with the table. That, and the way she looked at me, and what she whispered in my ear. That is what I remember most. That's where the real magic happened. It began with a dining room table, laden with dishes and silverware, with branches of candles and glasses of wine atop a damask tablecloth. The great Korovnik spread her arms to indicate the scale of it. The bowls of fruit, the covered plates, the delicate bonbon dishes. The back of the stage, I remember, was all hung with mirrors, reflecting the lights. I could even see myself in the front row of the audience, suspended magically in mid-air, my small, pale face like a bauble hanging from a Christmas tree. A drum roll, loud as thunder. The lights went down. There was a hush. And then she flipped away the cloth so fast that you could barely see, leaving every candle lit, every piece of glassware in place, except for a single glass of wine, which somehow ended up in her hand, raised in a toast to the audience. And behind her was the table, every dish and glass in place. But in that second, 
she had somehow managed to turn the dinner table around so that it faced the other way, the branch of candles at one end now burning at the other. I was so very young at the time, and yet I remember it perfectly. The woman's face in its grease paint, her outfit, silver frock coat, black boots, top hat at an angle, the smile she sent me over her glass, the tiny, delicious sip of wine she took. Here's to us, as her eyes met mine. I must have been staring. She saw me there, watching from the front row. And as the stagehands raced to remove the heavily laden table, she moved to the front of the stage and knelt to whisper softly in my ear. And then she stood up and drained her glass in a single mouthful and winked at me and took a bow, and the applause was thunderous. I told my mother, when we got home, that I wanted to do real magic, just like the silver lady on stage. My mother laughed. <laughs> oh, Bernie, she said, magic's not real. It's just a trick with mirrors. And the great Karovnik is a man. That lady was his assistant. The man in the suit and the black cape, he was the magician. Well, of course I'd seen the man in the suit, pulling rabbits out of hats and changing handkerchiefs into doves. But the woman was who I remembered. She was the one who deserved the name. She was the one who counted. Even when they both stepped up into the spotlight to take their bow, I only ever had eyes for her the way she spread her arms as if to say, I did this, I'm amazing. The way she claimed her victory, smiling all the way to the gods. So many women never claim their achievements openly. So many women are eclipsed, sawn in half or stabbed with knives or made to vanish into thin air, as if that was so unusual. After all, it's hardly news. Women vanish every day. But the great Karovnik had shown me this, that we need never vanish. She had shown me that you could take the spotlight if you wanted to, even from the man in the suit with all his smoke and mirrors. Of course, it took me many years to fully understand this. But that was where it started. On the stage at Morbury Lyceum, with the footlights reflecting in my eyes and her voice in my ear as she whispered, Little girl, make them look. Now, what a line to finish on. I mean, come on. <laughs> that doesn't get you rushing to buy the book I don't know what will um, a huge thank you to Joanne for reading exclusively for the literary salon it's a real privilege to have her here it's years since we did a salon together um, in a field in Yorkshire was it Yorkshire or was it Oxfordshire I can't remember but we did a salon it was in a field and we talked about trees and honestly I know that sounds mad anyway um, Broken Light is published by Orion it's available now in all good bookshops and as ever you can get copies piece from the Salons Bookshop on bookshop.org and if you want to buy books from us there that supports the work that we're doing. Joanne is 
brilliant at events, so she's going to be doing loads of them. Uh, you can check her website for information about that, so you can you can see her on tour. So, for anybody you know who enjoyed The Power by Naomi Alderman, um, or indeed Carrie by Stephen King, this is the book for them. So please be sure to share this track, and thank you for listening, and I'll see you again soon.